Hello, this is Daniel Orton, pastor of Harvest House United Pentecostal Church in Marion, Kentucky. It is our desire to see hurting hearts and minds healed as they are born again into the kingdom of God. It is my desire that this podcast will be a blessing to you and help bring you closer to Jesus. Blessed to have a church to come to. Blessed to be a part of the kingdom of God. And we're very thankful that you are here and you're a part of what God's doing. I've been seeing, you guys know, the last couple years through COVID and just through a lot of circumstances, um, people moving away and people dying and just, just crazy situations that we have, we have some struggles that we've dealt with as a church. But I do believe that over the last little bit, we have been seeing some things that looks like God is taking us in a good direction, and some good things are happening. Uh, we've seen some who's never been baptized be baptized in the name of Jesus. I've seen nobody receive the Holy Ghost yes this year, but I'm expecting that. We've seen some that has rededicated their lives being baptized, like Alyssa's going to today. And uh, excited about that. And I believe that God is doing some great things. And I am excited about what God's got ahead. And I know the devil will try to discourage us. This has nothing to do with anything I'm saying today, but (laughs) I just feel like saying it. I know the devil will try his best to discourage us in so many areas and things. But do we know that God is still on the throne? He's still in charge and he knows what he's doing. He, He is, praise God, and I'm thankful for that. So... With that said, today we're going to be turning to the book of John 4, verse 24. It is on the screen behind me. You have that on the paper that I passed out to you. Um, so, you don't have to stand. We've done prayed, but let me just read this, these two verses of Scripture, and we'll jump in where we're going today. <clears throat> God is a spirit. Everybody say, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But say worship. Uh, the theme verse is for our life class is John 10.10. 10, the thief cometh not but for steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give that they may have life and life more abundantly. And so we've been, um, our goal for this class is we want to live life the best that God has called us to be. And and I want that from every one of us, and I think all of us want that. We want to get the best we can out of life, especially pertaining to the things of God. And Unfortunately, though, we have to go through hard times. We have to go through tough times. It just seems like that's a part of life. Jesus said, in this life you shall have tribulations. But he also concluded that with, but I've overcome this world, you know. He said, in this world, I said, in this life. He said, in this world you'll have tribulations. But I've overcome Um, this world and I'm thankful for that and we've seen that I have seen that a lack of faithfulness cripples has a crippling effect on our lives and this is why we're talking about these these different areas we went through several of them we're on the third one so you can see how much longer we could be with this I don't know if we'll get one or two out of this worship part we are talking about worship today but um, I've kind of been going through this stuff prayer spiritual diet worship we talk about integrity, our tithes and offering, or giving, or whatever. 
church attendance and holiness. But today let's talk about worship. We, we talk about it a lot. We, we talk about how, well, let's come in, let's worship God. We don't want a dead church. Um, worship is a big key to that. But worship is more than just coming in here, running aisles, shouting, your hair down, turning flips, shit, swinging from the chandeliers. We don't do that. Probably don't need to here. The ceiling can come down. But it, it's more than just that. Worship is a lot more than that. And we have to be faithful in worship because worship is so key to us living a life to where we get the overflow of God. And today I'm going to be teaching from some information that was taken from a book called Elements of Worship by Judson Cornwall. This material that I've got, it was actually come from, uh, it was published in the uh, Christian Information Network by Calvary Tabernacle. So let's start out with it. Some of this stuff is on the paper and some is not. Let's talk about what worship is. In the Hebrew, which would be what the Old Testament is written from, the word worship means to prostrate oneself before God out of honor to do homage to submit yourself or oneself. Worship from the New Testament, which is what the, is written in Greek, it means to make homage, to do reverence to. It is used in an act of homage or reverence. So basically, we see the same thing. So what's this reverence? What's this supposed to go to? To God, according to Matthew, I don't have these scriptures down there, I don't think, but um, you can jot them down if you want. I don't have the verses actually here, but this is just references to show you what this is from. We show this, this reverence to, according to Matthew 4.10, John 4.21-24, 4, and 1 Corinthians 14.25, we show it to God. Um, and we also show it to Jesus Christ, according to Matthew 3 and 2, 8 and 11, and um, John 9.38. And we didn't think about it, but this is also reverence is shown according to Matthew eighteen twenty six, is also shown to man. The Bible lets us know that that's worship and this reverence is also shown to man. And according to Revelations thirteen and four, we see that this homage, this worship, this reverence is also shown to the dragon, or we know him better as. Satan. So, in a general sense, worship is um, it's inseparable from our lives. It is an expression of life. And we've got to understand that everybody worships something. Everybody worships something. Whether worshiping God or not worshiping God, we were designed to worship. Um, I believe it's Revelation. Didn't write it down. I believe it's Revelation four and ten, or Revelations four and eleven, says that God created us for His purpose, for His, for to give Him glory. So He created us with that purpose of that we are to worship God, and everybody worships something. So somebody would say the atheists don't worship. Well, he, yeah, he does. He worships himself. Uh, we have some people that they call the humanists. They worship humanity. It's all about humanity, you know. And then you've got a lot of the Eastern religions, the Hindus, the Buddhists, the Muslims, uh, Confucius, and uh, so many other ones. And they all worship, generally, 
dead men that's dead, that they lived at one time, but now they glorified them as God and made them a nefos gods or of their imagination. The ancient American Indians, um, they worship what they called the Great Spirit, among a lot of different other gods. The Jews are present-time Jews. They worship Jehovah God. Now, they don't worship Jesus because if they worship Jesus, they'd be known as a Christian because that's what Christians worship is Jesus Christ, who we believe is the embodiment or uh, God manifest in flesh, that Jehovah God. Now, Psalms 148, 1 through 14, let me read this to you. This tells you about how God created us and how he wants us to be, or I guess whole humanity. It says, uh, I don't have that one down there because there's a lot of scriptures, so, but I, you can jot that down for later or whatever. But Psalms 148, 1 through 14 says, Praise you the Lord. Praise you the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the heights. Praise you him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise you him, sun, moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, you heavens of heavens, and you waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree with, which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all of deeps. Fire and hail and snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Listen to what he's saying. He's talking about this creation, how he created everything to bring glory to him. Because that's what worship is, basically. Mountains and all the hills, fruitful trees, all the cedars, beasts and all the cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all the people, princes and judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He hath also exalted the horn of his people, the praise of his saints, even of the children of Israel, a people near unto him. Praise ye the Lord. What the psalmist is saying here is that all of creation, all this creation out here worships God and was made to worship him. And... Um, we see the trees begin to bloom. It's beautiful. Sister Cheryl was talking about her flyers when they say thank you to everybody who, who helped contribute and give them flyers and all that stuff or money for whatever you may have done. She's talking about how pretty her yard looked. And she got all her flyers. She got out there planted. But when these flyers are blooming, they're bringing glory to God because it speaks about who He is. When you see the beautiful um, animals running around and stuff, it's, it's just speaking to who God is. It's bringing glory to Him because... He is God of all creation. And all creation exists for the praise of His glory. And according to Ephesians 1 and 12, the true issues in life, uh, this is down there on the paper here, the true issues of life is not who we will worship, but when and what they will worship. This is the true issues of life. Because we are going to worship. Because worship is absolutely inseparable from life. We were made to worship. And worship is a universal thing. The Bible does not record a single society that did not worship. Nor does the Bible 
actually deal with atheism except for one verse in the Bible, and that is the verse that I have next on the paper, Psalms 14 and 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And this is really the only time you really see atheism in the Bible when the, the psalmist wrote and said, those who says there's a not, not a God that we're supposed to worship, basically he is a fool. So, I think it's safe to think that aside from the occasional fool, the Bible assumes and accepts that worship is essential in all people. Psalms 66 and 4, there at the bottom of the paper says, All the earth shall worship thee, and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name, Salah. That word Salah, is, it means pause. Just think about that for a second. So the psalmist said, look, all the earth is going to worship the Lord. They're going to sing unto him, and they're going to sing to his name. It just says, now just think about that for a second. That's why we're on this earth, is to worship God. That's why he created this earth, was to give fellowship and worship to him. Isaiah 66, 23, that next verse. And it shall come, and shall it, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. So we see both in Psalm 66, 4, and Isaiah 66 and 23 that I just read. It just, it's telling us that every living creature, or at least every aspect of life on this earth, is made to worship the Lord. And we see that in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it lets us know that every knee in heaven and earth and under earth, all these are going to bow down. And they're going to worship God whether they do it now on this earth or after. So, worship is just simply adoration. It's just simply adoration. Adoration is a deep respect, reverence, and act of showing a feeling or a deep respect. The object of man's admiration is what varies. But the love and the adoration, the, that inner reaching and what our lives are dedicated to, them come from this inner same thing that we all have inside of us that's a desire to worship because God created that inside of us. God created that inside of us. And our opening text today that I read, let me go back to here on the screen, is God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, if you're looking in your Bible and you see that verse, you'll see it's, it's just like what we see behind us here. God is a spirit. That's a big S. When you see a big S, it's capitalized. That means that's speaking of God's spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit. That's a small s. And in truth. And what that tells us that we are to worship him in our spirit. That second spirit don't mean God's spirit. The first one is God's spirit. But that second one is, it is, means we got to worship him in our spirit. But not just in our way. It's got to be in the truth. And worship is, it is one is one person 
It's a definition there at the top on that second page. It's one person responding to in his or her spirit to the one true God. But very often this experience of worship occurs when individuals are gathered together in eclectic expression of God. Talking about church. Or we meet in Walmart. Or you meet on the street anywhere. Have you ever met with somebody? The scripture says where two or three are gathered together in his name. He'll be in the presence of them. So you ever just met somebody outside of church and begin to talk about God and all of a sudden it's like, ooh, I feel something. <laughs> I feel something. It doesn't have to be in the church. But by and large, this is the purpose of coming to church is to worship God. And we talk about it being our gas station. We talk about church, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that subject on down the road, but this is just a prelude to it. We talk about all that, but the purpose of coming to church is to give God glory, not man woman anybody else and and when we give god what he deserves he in turn gives us what we need in our life this is why it fills our tank when we come here and we give god praise and glory and worship him for who he is he in turn says okay now then i'll give you what you can't do and that's the whole purpose primary purpose for coming to church is for worshiping god and worship means uh there, number one, says to pay great honor and reverence or devotion. And that's why I seen one of the kids a second ago had coffee or whatever it was. I take it back downstairs. We've got a place for that. This is the house of God. This part of this is where we come and we worship him. So we want to honor and reverence and devote that time to him. Uh, that second one there is to consider extremely precious, hold very dear, and adore. When you worship, it's like it's separated. It's just something that's just... Wow, I adore that. That is just so special to me. It means to perform or take part in any act, practice, or service of worship. So let's explain worship. Let's get a little bit deeper in it. And again, this is information taken from a, an article that's out of a book, and I just thought it would be very good to kind of lay a foundation with this today. But when we talk about it, we explain what worship, uh, it means to quicken or open our, the conscious by the holiness of God to feed the mind with truth, the truth of God to purge or remove the imagination by the beauty of God to open the heart to the love of God to devote the will to purpose of God what this is meaning when to worship it opens up our mind to realize that who he is and what he is and it begins to take out of all these earthly things out of our minds and realize this isn't about me. It isn't about this earth. It's all about Him and bringing glory. He created us for His glory to bring us to the place where one of these days we're going to live with Him eternally. And worship, the second one here is, our responding to the suggestions of love from the heart of God. It's us responding to the fact that we realize He loves me despite my issues he loves me despite my flaws he loves me despite my failures because all of us face that in our life and this is worship when it goes on when we realize it's it's not about anything that i am or what i'm doing but worship is all about him and who he is and um forms rituals that don't produce worship. We can't get in the right form. We can't do the right rituals or techniques or methods. 
we can have the best possible rituals and techniques that that we may say here today but we have not worshiped God until it touches when our spirit actually touches God's spirit that's when we actually begin to worship God is when our spirit and God's spirit begins to touch each other because worship comes from the spirit or the heart of man that's where it comes from and to worship is to know um, to feel to experience the resurrected Christ in the midst of the gathered community it is to when we experience the fact that he resurrected and now that our lives are being resurrected because he has saved us he saved us it's breaking into um, what's called the Shekinah. Anybody ever heard that word, Shekinah? It's kind of a weird, weird word. I don't know if you've been listening to Jenkins' uh, peculiar podcast that he's got, but he, he uses this word one day, Shekinah. And um, if you haven't checked out Jenkins' podcast, you should go listen to it. It's pretty, been doing a pretty good job. Got an excellent interview on there with Brother Ryan Near when he was in. But anyway, um, that's a side point. But the Shekinah, it, what that means, that's the dwelling of God. In the Old Testament, when God would come down into the tabernacle, they called it the Shekinah of glory coming down into that tabernacle. And what that means is God's dwelling place. Or, or better yet, it's being when God invades, um, when His dwelling invades our life. And don't take this wrong with what I'm fixing to say, but worship is something that is learnable. It is something that we should learn and realize because God created every one of us with these unique personalities. Everybody's personality is different. Uh, have you ever took a personality test? Have you ever done that? If you haven't, you should. There's a lot of them out there. There's a new one they got called the Enneagram. We've been stuck on that a lot. There's a book called The Road Back to You by Ian. I can't remember his last name. But he goes through all the different nine types of, of um, personalities. And I'm a type one. Sister Cheryl's a type four. I think Jenkins is a type four. Texas is a seven. It's really unique. You should go find them and, and do some of this stuff. But, and we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses in our personality. And if you see some of these kids as they're little, you remember your kids as they're growing up, and they have personalities that we think, well, I want to break that. Well, in some ways we need to break the personality, but in some ways we need to teach, because Sister Cheryl's, if you don't know the personality types, ones and four are drastically different in a lot of ways. Um, and she's always telling me, and I guess in a lot of ways I am, she says, you're trying to make me like you. I'm never going to be like you. <laughs> I'm never going to be like you. And I've got to get that through my head and realize, and this is the way it is with our children too, I'm never going to get that child's personality to change totally because that's how God created us. So we have to learn how to use our personalities to bring glory to God. And where somebody may be very, um, I guess, organized. They can use that for God. Where some 
might be more laid back. We can learn how to use that for God. So when I say this, worship is something that's learnable. Listen to what David said here. It's, it's Psalms 86 and 11 down here. David understood this, so this is why he said this. David cried to God and said, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. So what David was saying here, Lord, teach me your way. Teach me how to love you. Teach me how to worship you. Teach me how to use my unique personality, my uniqueness that you created me with, to bring glory to your name. Because this is what worship is about. It's not about bringing glory to my name, your name, church, Harvest House, um, United Pentecostal Church, whatever the denomination may be. It's about bringing glory to God. That is what worship really is about. And David went on to say in this next verse I got there for you, Psalms 34 and 11, it said, Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear or the respect or admiration admiration of the Lord. So David's saying here we see this saying, Lord, teach me how to worship you. And that's not what the verse says per se, but this is what he's talking about. Teach me how to worship you. And the next one he's saying, okay, he's telling us people that he leads. He's saying, I will teach you how to fear, how to have that fear of the Lord. The purpose of the scriptures is to reveal to us the one who must be the object of our worship. And this is what David's talking about. And then we need to instruct others how, how do we direct and use our, our abilities to give God glory. And this is what worship is about. And if we're going to walk in life more abundantly, we've got to fight for the liberty to worship the God that created us. And we should make use of that liberty and let it help us to walk in the abundance of life. Because when we understand why we worship, we worship because He is, if you look at the next verse there, Psalms 96 and 8, given us the glory due to His name. The first thing that requires that we worship God the way we're supposed to worship Him is we understand who He is. The Bible says, we, we see all the different conjunction names, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides, Jehovah Nisi, uh, uh, the Lord my banner, Jehovah Salvation, the Lord peace, Jehovah Shammah, the, the Lord there, Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord righteous. But we know Him best as Jesus, which is Jehovah has become salvation. And when we realize who he is, we understand why we worship him. He's the God, the creator, the God who saved us. And we, we worship him for, for, um, for what he's done for us. He spoke the universe into existence. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. With the span of his hand, with, with just the span of his hand, he placed all the stars in the heavens. He just said, whoop, there it is. I like it. He said, if you look at the scripture, he said he created the sun, 
and the moon and the stars also. And we see it later. He talks about it in Job when he said, where was you at when I hung the stars? He just said, look, I just flung it out there. He spoke. There were animals created. He took some dust, dirt, formed an image of himself. Then he breathed into it the breath of life in his nostrils. And so he created man. And there are reasons enough to worship God, but there are many reasons we, you, us, we, we can think of to worship, at, worship him. Think about what he's done for you. We get so carried away with thinking about what we don't have, we forget what he's done. How many here has ever been healed? How many ever feel like God's protected you? <laughs> How many times has he provided for us? How many times when your mind's about to go crazy, he, he gives us peace? Yes, amen. And has he ever left you to just to fight your own battles? Sometimes we feel like it, but then he comes in and there he is. Amen. He saved us. Probably the most important thing, he saved us from our sins. And David said, I got that verse there for you in Psalms 27, 4. One thing if I desire the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. So, we, we worship because just who he is, what he's done for us. And, and how do we worship this one God? And this is where, I think most of us kind of understand the fact, okay, he created us, he created us with that desire to worship. But I think this spot where I'm going to go to now is the area where you and I, as humanity, struggle to understand um, what worship really means. Because worship is more than just coming in here and worship. Worship is a lifestyle. Um, 1 Peter 1.16 lets us know says, Be ye holy, the Lord speaking through Peter, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Holy, saith God. Psalms 29.2 says, Worship the Lord in beauty of holiness. 1 Peter 1.14 says, We are to worship God in all manner of conversation. That's lifestyle. That's in our appearance. That's in our attitude. We are to worship Him in or with our actions. We, we see that David danced before the Lord with all his might. We've got to know that worship is something we do, not something we talk about. Worship is inseparable from life because he created us to worship him. In Psalm 66, uh, 4 says, All the earth shall worship thee, and shall sing unto thy, thee, they shall sing to thy name. Isaiah 66, 23. I've done said these already, but I've said again today. It shall come to pass that from the new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. So we see that worship is what we say. It's what we do. How we act. It's a representation of the one we worship. So, we come together here to worship God. Okay? But the crippling effect that we find what, when people struggle with faithfulness to worship is outside the house of God. Because what we got to realize is these scriptures I, 
I read a second ago here, and, and especially, you know, if you look back here at, at Peter, Be ye holy, for I am holy, saith God. And that's Psalms 29, 2. Worship the Lord in beauty of holiness. And 114, when he lets us know we are to worship God in all manner of conversation, lifestyle. What we do outside these buildings says what we worship. That, I mean, people can come to the house of God when we're all gathered together and we can get caught in the emotion. Our spirit will tag in generally when, uh, because worship is contagious. If somebody's worshiping here, we can see it begin to go across the building as far as a physical act. But lifestyle, it's whatever we do, how we're acting. Because if we're treating our neighbor wrong, and we're not loving our spouse like we should, or this or that, that's a reflection of our worship. And how we dress, it's a reflection of our worship. Because, let, let me read this, this scripture here. Um, it'll be on your last page there. Because I'll bring this to an end today with this. I put all these on here because this is very powerful. Psalms 115, 1 through 8. Now unto us, O Lord... Not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for the mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. And then listen to what he begins to say. Their idols are silver and gold, the works of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feel, uh, feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. Listen to this last verse. This is so powerful. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. That last verse should shake us to our core when we think about worship. They that make them are like unto them, so is everyone that trusteth in them. The truth of this verse should be a revelation of worship and why we should worship Jesus. Because there is a saying that says this, we become what we worship. We become what, our worship, what we worship. To show the truth of that is this, okay? Worship basically is a love and an adoration for something. Okay? Um, you see, I'm thinking back a little farther. I know us older folks will remember this. When Hannah Montana and Justin Bieber first, probably along the same time. I know you're like, uh, yeah. But if you think back to it, every young girl had something Hannah Montana. See? I had a little thing where you put pictures in it and then you could copy it. So she became almost like a every girl wanted to be like Hannah Montana. Probably more than a Justin Bieber. I mean we see this. Well, what is it? Yeah, all of it. And you, you could help me name that. She, you see the kids that idolize the basketball stars. In my time it was Michael Jordan. Everyone be like Mike, you know, be like Mike. And had to have the shoes. And so, the things that we put a lot of love and adoration into, we become 
like that. They even say, after a couple has been married so many years, this is kind of weird, they begin to look alike. <laughs> and for sure, they begin to talk alike. It's just, just Michelle's like, oh my God. <laughs> I don't know how much I believe that, but I know the other part of it. We do, we like things the same. We, you love it, it because we become what we worship. Now, I'm not saying we worship a spouse or nothing. That, that I'm comparing it to that great admiration or, or, uh, or love, you know. But here's the point I want to make with this, with that verse that, they that make them are likened to them so that everyone that trusted in them would become what we worship. Now think about this aspect. If our life is not flowing in the abundance of life, then our life may be reflecting the thing that we are worshiping. Think about that. We can make a God out of anything. And we become a reflection of our worship. So, that's why it's careful. You've got to be careful when you put so much emphasis on our depressions and our anxieties and, and a lot of this stuff. We put so much, we can almost turn that stuff into our items that we worship. So, why is it so important that we worship God? It's the last two verses I have down there. Every good. James 1, 17, 18. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variable, neither shadow of turning. Of his own, listen to this, of his own will beget he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. What he's saying, look, all the good stuff is going to come down. And when we turn to him, we will become like a first fruits of what he's creating. So, if we'll worship, put the focus on God and not on all the other stuff, then we'll begin to walk in the abundance of life because we'll realize, I am representing Him. And when we represent His image and who He is and how He created us, then what happens is He takes care of us. He takes care of us because we are the representation of him. Now, I don't, know, I don't know if I'll go any more with this or not based on if we get anything comes out of what, what I've said here today. But in a nutshell, when it comes to worship, every aspect of your life is worship. Now, we so much play on the thing as, oh, it's lifting our hands, worshiping God. And that's important. We need that. But when we walk out of here today, the way you balance your checkbook is worship. The things you buy is worship. The things you watch, the things you read, everything that you do reflects the one that you love. And this is why a lot of people get the place in life that they're not living in abundance because we walk out of here, worship God in our physical aspect, till we go out here in this world and we live a lifestyle that really doesn't bring glory to God and it doesn't bring down the good and perfect gifts from God. It brings um, things from those other things in life that we magnify and make bigger than God. And here's the thing. If, if we invest in that, basically it's like we're investing. Or what we worship, we're investing into that. So we've got to be careful with the things that we put in us. 
put on us, say, because all of that is a reflection of our worship. So, that is what I have for that today. So, I'm going to turn this off.